Hello everyone and welcome aboard the Gilded Lily. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down here at our desks, pick up a quill and pretend to be someone we're not, using these uh, funny-shaped rocks with numbers on them. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy. Second by second, line by line. This one here is about a few college roommates who abandon higher education and accidentally become pirates. Well, hopefully the good kind. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories independent of the lore and problematic content that often comes with these dungeons and dragons as you pull them out of the box. In short, it just means that we use dice to decide what happens next to our funny little characters. What adventures will our rascals get into this week? Well, let's roll some dice and find out together. Day. I don't know actually. It's been a few days and things are blending together. Uh, this is Joanna Wilhelli. We recently left Strider's Landing and began making our way back to New Bismuth. Um, I helped with cooking and uh, then they told me I should never help with cooking again. Uh, Zero and Riley had a study session below decks, I guess. Uh, they were startled by something and uh, exploded. Uh, fortunately, we did not sink, but uh, Zero and Riley got a little bit banged up and uh, lost a few books and uh, some pieces of the ship. Um, I also attuned to the axe uh, and uh, it was a very strange experience. I, I could feel everything alive around me for a moment, um, like energy moving through everything. I'm very excited to find out what else this axe can do. Um, we also found a shipwreck and uh, we are going to explore and see if there are any survivors who need our help and maybe some treasure. That's it, thank you. So to kick us in, hey everybody. Welcome back to the Gilded Lily. How are y'all feeling? Excited? Afraid? Uh, all uh, of the above. All of the above. I thought you were talking to the audience. To the listeners? Yeah, I don't do it often, so it's confusing. Now I was talking all of you. How are you doing? Good. Oh, I'm I just realized this is something I never do in the show, so it's kind of out of left field. But hey, <laughs> bit nervous. Excited. We found something interesting. Yeah. There's like a a broken boat with ice ahead, which is weird. Which is terrifying. Yeah, because it's hot as hell out. Let's lean into a nice little group recap here. Do you all remember what we did last time? Blew up the ship. Woohoo! Oh yeah, you Minor. did blow up the ship. Explosion. Okay. <laughs> the ship out still taking out splinters. <laughs> Spontaneous renovation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And we also blew up the imp. There was That's an the name imp of the episode. That's what I'm going to call it. it. Spontaneous renovation. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah, so you're right. So we had a little powwow on the ship and you guys had some downtime. If I remember correctly, Joanna, you took some time to attune to your sword and Zira and axe. Riley had a little... Axe. Oh, axe. Axe. Sorry. Axe. Your manta ray axe. And Riley and Zira had a study session and ignited what could be a very, very long-term epic scale prank war with an imp that was apparently living on the ship. And we come in with the Gilded Lily floating on the calm waters of the Bismuth Channel. Ioana, you have just finished this kind of preparation you were doing with this strange manta ray battle axe. And in this instant, you felt like a pulse and you became aware of every living thing near you. You felt like a buzz of electricity coming from everybody. For an instant, you knew the location of everyone on the ship, everyone around you. And then you felt your attention being pulled. Out on the water, you could see this kind of thick fog, which is a bit strange. And inside it, you think you see the wavering of what could be a flag. And at that same moment, you hear someone yell from the crow's nest up above. We got a ship down there. Looks like it's in Poro, maybe. You can see them with the repaired spyglass peering out into the distance. What would you all like to do? I'd take out my spyglass and, and I go to inspect the ship. I'm just going to like stay on deck with the axe, still a little bit freaked out by the whole spark of electricity and knowing where everything is for a moment thing. Your fingertips are still buzzing, by the way, from it feels like you're just coming off of your hands and like your forearm is being asleep. Like there's a tingle. Uh, um, yeah. Riley, can you roll me a perception check? I think with advantage because you're using the spyglass. We're on the open seas. Uh, blue ones should be nice. Um, that's a, you said perception, uh, got 11. Okay, so with an 11, you look through your spyglass and start searching. Now, you're lower than the person up in the crow's nest, but with a quick look around, you see there are a bunch of things kind of floating in the water. I'd say a couple hundred feet from where the lily currently sits. Again, there is a kind of a thick fog over the water, maybe a couple feet high, so it's a little hard to see everything. But one thing that does catch your eye immediately that is very strange. On this hot, hot day with the sun beating down on you, looking through your spyglass, you see something bright reflect off the waters below. And you kind of like squint a little and readjust yourself. And you see a giant piece of ice floating in the water on this very hot, very clear day. And as you pan your um, spyglass around and look across this cloud of fog. You can see shapes that look like barrels and broken pieces of something floating in the water among this chunk of ice, which you realize is surrounded by more chunks of ice. Uh, is... I'm not normally out on sea, guys, but is ice on the ocean um, normal? Are we that far north or south? Which way are we going? Uh... Uh, there shouldn't know, be any ice here. Ice is not normal. Ice is not normal. You see ice on the water? Yes. Are you sure? Hey. Let me see. Um, oh, but Rick gave me this. Do, do you want the spyglass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is, Rent. it's my gift. I'll just, you can give it back. I grab it. <laughs> I, I grab it. Oh, okay, okay. Would you like to look as well? I would like to get that back. I'm not stealing it, dude. We're cheap, okay? Right, so I look and perception check with advantage. Perception check? With perception. 
Because you're using a spyglass at something far away. Delightful. Okay, so with an advantage, a 17. Looking through the water, you confirm just about everything Riley just told you. You can see shapes floating in this kind of thick fog that's hovering over the water. And you can see these chunks of ice floating in the, the ocean. You notice that the fog is thicker around the chunks of ice, which, thinking about it, the ice is probably steaming because of how hot it is out and creating this fog. Now... You do notice some things that are odd. Among these shapes, one sticks out to you immediately. It's kind of pitched at an odd angle and floating up and down in the water. It's a grand piano. That's weird. Just just floating in the water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Among the wreckage. While you guys are looking, among you, you can hear Kothak kind of barking orders at everyone. Turn the ship. We're going to go check for salvage. Everybody batten down. Vapa, get the ring ready. While you guys are looking through this ring, what would you like to do? I kind of want to ask Zira and Riley when they're looking through the spyglass, do, do you see anybody alive? Are there any survivors in the wreckage? Zira, I'll give you this um, because I, it, I should have just described it for you. You do see forms floating in the water, not moving. No, I, I see people. Uh, we're going to have to get closer to see if they're alive people oh i guess the the fog is in my my way uh i'm gonna go follow Papa because what's this ring okay so we'll pick up the scene there with zira and yuana um discussing as he's looking by and you watch Mm -hmm. Papa start to walk away we stored our spell books when we were kind of getting ready to jump in the water and it kind of looks like a jumping in the water type of situation potentially so i would like to make sure that my spell book is safe and it's not going to get drenched so i'm gonna like give it to uh like vapa maybe for safekeeping for a while okay before we pull this thread further because this kind of leads right nicely into the next scene that i was having planned here zero before we whip pan away to you guys all standing over the ring with Vapa. Is there anything else you would like to do or say, or like, this is like an actionable moment if you want to have it? No, no, not particularly. I don't think she would be a, I think I'm just ready, getting ready for a fight, you know? Okay. Um, so maybe you're kind of reaching down, double, double checking your weapons and yeah, making sure I don't have any books on me. Like you want to say, okay. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> throw in any other books. I, I love the visual of the moment. You're like, I see bodies and it, subconsciously the camera pulls back and we see all three wizards patting their pockets and taking their books out like they're ready to (laughs) i'm pretty sure Um, i had like two or three on me so i just like run to my room and and toss them in there riley doesn't do that so zero runs off as you two follow vapa over and while vapa's standing there we wait for a beat as zero returns books safely stowed in her quarters which have been kind of ramshackled and patched back together over the past couple days and Vapa is now standing over this kind of odd arcane ring that you have tried to decipher before, but haven't quite figured anything out about yet. And Vapa says, Oh, good. I was going to call you over to show you this. Um, this is a strong resource of the ship. As you know, it makes the illusion that allows us to hide on the open water unseen, but it has other functions. Um, and you see her kind of kneel down and she starts putting her fingers into these kind of runes that you see, and they they all have depth to them. They're carved straight down. And she grabs them and starts to rotate this ring. And just, you're not quite sure what these arcane symbols mean or do. You know they're a bit above your pay grade, as you've previously found. But she starts rotating this ring in kind of different patterns. 
And while she's doing this, what do you guys do? Do you have any questions? This would be a time to air out those kind of things if you'd like. More rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna like observe everything that she's doing and like say, is there something we should do to help? Um, actually, yes, you could. So this, this arcane mechanism was created by my brother. He's a higher mage. He used to work at the Academy of the Mists, you know, the school you went to. And he gave us this gift before we left our headquarters. What it does is it's, it's imbued with a few different choice spells. As you've seen before, it can cloak us in silence, make some minor illusionary changes to the things around us. Um, but what makes it special among other arcane artifacts, and you watch her rotate it, and she sets a lock in place, and in the middle there's a button. Um, like a stone button. If anyone would like to roll an arcana check. Yeah. Okay. Very curious about this. Well, not curious enough, apparently. Seven. Twenty. Dirty. Wow. Okay. Zero, would you like to roll as well? I rolled twice, but we're taking the first one. Twenty-one. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so both of you immediately recognize this symbol. It's an ignition sigil. But you notice the sigil in the middle of this kind of button as she pushes it. You watch a few choice runes around the edges light up. A lot of them have basic forms of illusion and things like that. And she looks to all of you and she says, Now, what makes this special, and you can see that the kind of power is glowing from these like runes, is that unlike a regular spell which requires the energy of the caster. This one can take energy from anyone who is capable. So it might be helpful if each of you could chip in some arcane power and maybe save on some higher casting abilities that I may have. I can use this spell, but it will take a lot out of me. Absolutely. How, how do I do this? And I kind of like kneel down next to her. Just place your hand on top of mine and focus on, you'll feel it. All right, uh, so I'm going to do it and I'm going to like expand one of my spell slots to help. Okay, I was going to say out of meta-knowledge, this she's about to cast a fifth level spell on the ship Ooh. that's embedded in this circle. So any spell levels you want will help her from having to spend a fifth level spell slot to do this. Well, I literally have only first level spell slots and I have two of them, so she's getting one. <laughs> okay, so that takes her down to a four. Would anyone else like to help? Of course. Yeah, I'll spend a first level. Okay. Can we expand more than one? Oh yeah, absolutely. You, technically, if one of you could cast a fifth level spell, you could do this by yourself, or you guys could combine. This is a way for you guys to have access to higher magic in a restricted form. Um, so I'll just do two level ones. Is that- You okay? can also do a level two if you want, but you can also, two level ones is just fine. Wow, okay, so you guys kicked her down to one, two. Wow, she's only using a first level spell for this. Nice. Uh -huh. And she goes, right now I have configured it to ignite a seeming spell. Our watcher said this is an Emporo ship, so we are going to look like Emporo soldiers. And you guys watch as she pushes the ignition down and all of you feel a little bit of energy drained from you. Like your eyes droop. It feels like the breath has just been taken out of you. And you all lose however spell slots you were willing to commit. Mm -hmm. As you feel the air pulled out of your lungs and like a bit of energy taken from you, you watch all of these runes ignite and a pulse of this like hot blue light washes over the ship. And in that moment, because the light is very bright, you blink and all of your clothing has been changed. Everything you're wearing, everything about you, you all look like you're dressed as Emporo soldiers. You're dressed in kind of the 
iconic pattern leathers of this kind of coastal military that services the cities among the different coastal cities. You notice Vapa has a, a navigator's patch put right over her heart on the chest of her shirt. And with a quick look around, you can see that the rest of the crew is all laden in Impora uniforms. Do what, what, what do we look like? We kind of look at look at, the, at each other. What do we look like? Yeah, let's let's have some fun here. If you were dressed up as soldiers, what would you be wearing? Lowest rank for me. <laughs> I think I would I would also look like one of the like low rank soldiers, but I would look like like somebody who had the choice to either join the military or become a like a thug and just. <laughs> Okay, so you look like you know, a just muscle bound with a big club at my uh, waist and just looking dangerous. Okay, Zira. <laughs> um, I, I will probably be. We'll probably all be the same rank. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, hopefully, I'm not looking as intimidating as she is. But my clothing is probably one size too big because you know. Cause, oh, cause... okay. Comfy. Yeah. <laughs> or airy. If you want to put it that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like the skin type clothing, you know. Most mm-hmm. man. Um, any kind of like pins or like little accessories or anything like that, or are you just plain Jane? Probably plain Jane. I don't want to stick out. Mm-hmm. Okay, wanna, and Riley. I want to say same. I'm like a private class. I got my big book on me, and I look like I'm essentially a like a captain's pet. And he's just like, get me a cup of coffee. I'm like, oh, okay, sir. And I definitely, <laughs> definitely have a best recruit badge. Like, oh. <laughs> just the best recruit badge. Just because. Yes. Just because I'm such a suck up, apparently. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And that's this is kind of what I, I want to get by the spell is this wasn't a conscious thought. Like when she said um, Emporo, this was kind of the magic responding with your gut reaction in a sense of how you view yourself versus how you view the Impuro. And then the clothing around you just changed. You notice that some of the more experienced crewmen looking around like Vapa and Kothak have a lot more detail into these kind of disguises. Like this is something they have definitely done before or thought about. Or it could just be because you're new to the ship. So you're, how you view yourself is a bit different. But anyways... With this happening, you watch the crew around you kind of bustling. Kothak begins to steer the wheel towards this fog cloud in the distance. And you can see some of the other sailors are up upon the rigging, pulling back the sails and giving them just the perfect angle to catch the wind and take you towards this floating fog cloud in the middle of the ocean. Now, as you approach, where would you situate yourselves? I think is a good way to how we can do this. Well, I would probably be at the right hand of Kothak. Okay, Captain's bet. I, I dig yep. it. Yep. Yep. I think I would be uh, like near to. I, I'm kind of assuming that there's like uh, like some kind of a ladder that can be let down so that we can go to examine, like to go to the boat and examine what's happening there. So I would be there, kind of ready to go into action if necessary. Okay, so what I'll give you here, this is this is really interesting because this kind of goes in the direction that I was hoping. The ship has tons of rope rigging that is kind of like in this kind of, you know, gridded net mm-hmm. that goes down the side of the ship. Um, if you wanted to get closer to the water to take a look, you definitely could climb down and just kind of hold on. I won't even make you roll for it because that's a very easy thing to do with how 
dense the rope work is here. You could just climb down and slip your arm in if you would like. Yeah, yeah, I would like that. Okay, so can you roll me a perception check? And yes. zero, while she's rolling, where would you be hanging out? I'll probably be behind Kothak, like ready to back him up, you know? Okay, so with Riley and Zero both standing there, Kothak goes, hmm, we have a bunch of aliases. A lot of them have been kind of burned over the years. Give me a good ship name. He looks to both of you. Uh... The Destiny. Driftwood. Oh. Driftwood's Destiny. Got it. That's our <laughs> ship. Um, and he yells out to everyone. Anybody asks? That's what we are. And Vapa nods. And you see Neil and Nadja nod as well. And um, Joanna, what did you roll on your perception check as we approach? We're going to kind of cut down to you. Arm in the rigging, kind of leaning down towards the water as it kind of calmly... <laughs> yeah, I'm calmly at above the water and then my leg slips and I'm kind of very busy not to strangle myself on the ropes because I rolled a three on perception. So I don't <laughs> see anything. <laughs> Everyone is nodding in accordance and our camera view swings away from Kothak down to the water and you want to... <laughs> like <laughs> stuck on the rigging. <laughs> and as this happens, you're kind of fumbling with the rigging and you feel something bump up because your foot at this point is kind of dangling down into the water and you mm -hmm. feel something bump into your leg and you look down and you see this vibrant yellow piece of clothing big and voluminous almost like a ball gown which is strange and as this bumps into you it kind of bounces off and just kind of rolls along the edge of the ship and you can clearly see that this is a person not moving Formal wear is torn and messed up. And as you look up, you can see as you approach more and more of these bodies kind of floating in the water. So I'm, I'm going to yell, I'm going to yell, we've got bodies in the water. And with that proclamation, he swings back up into Kothak and he puts his hands up in the air and does a quick hand signal. And you watch some of the sailors up on the rigging start to furl the sails up to slow the ship down. And we pan back down to Ioana. And you see Kothak's face, face peer over the edge. Are you still tangled in the ropes? I would say I probably managed to untangle myself and not put a rope around my neck in the process. I'm, I'm kind of pretending that nothing happened, that I was like, you know, fully professionally <laughs> managing the situation all the time. Okay. Kothak looks down and he goes, wow, they are well-dressed. And you can see that all of these corpses, some of them are wearing suits, others are wearing tuxedos and very formal, formal clothing. Um, and as you approach this fog cloud, you reach just about the edge of it and the ship has kind of slowed to a stop. And you can see gently floating by is that grand piano that Zira saw in the water, just kind of gently bobbing as it passes. What would you all like to do? Are the bodies dead? As far as you can tell, yes. I'm kind of assuming. So can I, uh, if we get like close enough, I've got pretty long arms. Would I be able to like grab onto someone and, and like flip a, a, one of the corpses to see if they're indeed corpses? Yeah, absolutely. Roll me, because you're holding onto the thing, just roll me an athletics check. Sure. Just to make sure you don't tumble down, tumble down into the water. Now that is a roll that I can appreciate. 18. 18. Okay, so you're you're able to hold on just fine. As a body is drifting by, they're kind of wearing, it's like an olive green formal wear. And as mm -hmm. you grab them and flip them over, you can see pinned to their chest are a bunch of different like little metals. And when you flip them over, their eyes are open and lifeless. And it kind of sets you back a little bit because there are like pieces of their face that have been 
chomped off a little. Just what you probably assume is scavengers or things like that. How does you want to react to this? I think I kind of like for a brief moment drop the body but then I then I like you know the first second of shock but then I quickly like fumble and and grab him back and kind of take a look because I realize beyond the shock that maybe the medals can tell us something or maybe examining the corpse can tell us how long they've been in the water so I'm kind of holding on to this guy would you like to bring it up or ask for help to bring it up? Yeah, ask for help to bring it up. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, call somebody to kind of help me with that. Before I get the crew involved, would either of you, Riley or Zira, jump into action to help or? Yep, I'll jump down to help her. Okay, um, so not, you begin to climb down. down. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna clear, clear that. No. Not, we're not gonna jump into the corpse-filled ocean. You climb over the edge and start to make your way down. And behind you, you can see Neil and a few other sailors grabbing rope and what looks to be like um, a plank of wood to maybe fashion some kind of lift to pull this corpse up. And while they're doing that, Zira, how would you like to help? There's any way you could do this. You could easily just grab it with one hand if you're strong enough and pull it up on your own and show off. Or you could, like, wait for them to help out. It's however you want to flavor this moment. Yeah, no, I probably definitely want to want to show off. I could, you know, flex if you might say. So I would definitely reach for it. Okay, roll me an athletics check with advantage because Ioana is currently doing the barter lifting, which is getting a wet, wet corpse out of the water. Don't, don't let me drop it. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, athletic? Uh, 19. 19. Okay, so with relative ease, you grab onto the scruff of the jacket of this military personnel, you assume. And just with in one arm and then using your other arm to climb out, out up the rigging, you kind of like lift this corpse over the railing and drop it on the deck of the ship. And it, it lands with a wet plop, right as you see Neil walking over, holding a plank of wood with a bunch of rope tied around. And he goes, oh, oh all right. Oh, okay, then. This, this fine. This fine. And he drops it on the ground and walks away. Oh, <laughs> Poor Neil. We hurt his feelings. And as this happens, you watch Kothak walk over the body and start to investigate. Would any of you like to help? I'm kind of going to stay down and try to figure out something about what the hell happened here and any other details that I can notice about what's, what's in the water, what's floating there. Okay, so you want to roll me an investigation check. Would anyone like to help Kothak investigate the body? I feel like I'm still next to it, so I, I don't. I, I'll probably be right next. I can do it. I can help him. I'm, I'm helping okay. Kothak with anything he's doing. Okay, so right now what I'm going to say is both of you can roll me an investigation check, or one of you can with advantage. Wait, who has better investigation? Your investigation's plus three. I think mine is plus four. All right, go ahead and do yours. Wait, yeah, investigation? Yeah, plus four. Wow, those are both sixes. Uh, so ten. <laughs> okay. So with a ten, looking over this person, one thing that immediately catches your eyes. First, they are human. Roughly 50-ish. You can see that their skin is wrinkled and weathered in ways that floating in the water definitely didn't cause. So they have been in whatever position they're in for a while. You can notice that there are half a dozen little metals pinned to their jacket. And again, their face is a little munched up by something from the water. Doesn't look big and gruesome, it's just little bits, like maybe uh, some kind of scavenger got to them. But with that, you're looking them over and you see Kothak pull back the shirt and start to look through pockets. And he pulls out a wallet. While you're looking over all the different metals, you can see one that says 
This is a, a pin of... Yeah, so one of the pins on his jacket reads, Hero of Caldera. If you'd like to roll me a history check, you could. Of course, certainly. Uh, 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 y'all did terrible. Oh, it's better than mine. I have a four. Wait, what did you roll? 20. A 20. Okay, so Riley, nothing catches your mind about this immediately. Zira, though, you remember this. You read about it in one of your books specifically because let's just make it simple and say that there was a piece of magic involved in an event at the island of Caldera, which is it's like easily a thousand miles east of New Bismuth across the peninsula and out into the water. There's a volcanic island known as Caldera. You know, roughly a decade ago, this island was not an active volcano. But something you do know, which is a bit of a grim truth about the Impura, is there was a community there that was kind of annexed by the Impura. Specifically because Caldera had a resource that was very hard to find anywhere else. Very particular type of faceted diamond. You remember when Caldera erupted, there were a bunch of Impura ships that were sent to basically grab what was left of the community. And it's kind of infamous because a lot of people were left behind in favor of resources. So the fact that he has a medal for that day is probably not a good, a good thing. <laughs> for a little bit of world knowledge, that would have been a colony of the Emporo that they let die to a volcano, which is not great. <laughs> Wait, but if this is like thousand miles to the east, so this is beyond the map that we have, right? It's not a thousand miles. It's probably about 500 miles. It's right here. My friend, this is west. West? I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay, let's. Okay, let's. We like being dumb. Right is east, left is west. Which coast do you live on, my friend? I am dumb. Let's. Okay. Which side of the continent is it? <laughs> Mike's got big brain today. Hey there, pirates. Happy Monday. Uh, Mike has some kind of throat gremlin, so I'm here for the mid-rolls for a bit. Uh, my name is Carolina. I play Joanna on the show, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at PowerWordFU. Um, as you know, we have a lot of ways uh, for you to support the show. Following us on Twitter, liking our Facebook page, or our website are all great ways to help boost the show. If you'd like to support the production of the show, we also have artwork and merch on Redbubble for sale. Every penny passed to us helps pay for our hosting costs, and you get cool stuff as a bonus. You'll find that linked in our episode description and linked on our website, top right of the banner. This week, we're cross-promoting The Lucky Die, a 5th edition D&D podcast. You see, looking up from the ground, blood-red clouds boiling across the sky. You did ask me to bring the thunder. <laughs> Dejan! Dejan! Uh, help! I've got the chalice, please! Well, if they're following you, then I guess that takes care of a loose end for me. <laughs> All of you feel the earth beneath you shake and crack and break. I feel that I have failed both of you, and I am sorry for that. This has nothing to do with you being a bad leader. Do you want a countdown? Oh, I think I want to count down. I wanted Three, to help. I always had good two, intention. I did not deserve to die. Now. The Lucky Die Podcast is a weekly 5e Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Join our adventure every Monday wherever you download podcasts by searching for The Lucky Die.
let's get back to the show, shall we? It is roughly 500 miles okay. west of New Bismuth, just across the peninsula and out into the open ocean is where you'll find the, the previously inactive volcanic island of Caldera. Zero, but you remember that as seeing the words on the metal. Do you do do or say anything about that before we cut to what Kothak's doing? Yeah, I I I fill in Kothak about my knowledge of this pen. You know, I I impress him a bit, if you will. So as you say this, he's kind of nodding his head. Yeah, that was, was not a good day, um, for anyone involved, unless you were in Poro. He lets out a long and heavy sigh, and then reaches down and pulls something from his jacket pocket and flips it open, and it's a wallet, very finely crafted leather waterlogged and kind of disgusting but you can see inside there's a, a piece of metal that has been kind of pinned into the wallet that says general flake that name was provided by andy thanks andy thanks andy lots of corpses this is a great opportunity to use some names <laughs> and kothak says well that's one terrible person gone i don't know if it speaks to the rest of the ship but if General, this old was present. There are likely more. Ioana, are you still down? You're still down by the water, right? Yeah, I'm still down by the water, and I kind of want to... How close is is uh, the lily from the wreckage of the ship itself? You can actually see the... You can't see the wreckage. You can only see a flag in the distance. Roll me a... Let's call this a survival check. See if you can gauge the distance properly. Because you're down low with the water, the fog I is in the I cannot. It's an eight. Uh, this, this dice goes to the dice jail. What you'll get out of this is that you're at the edge of the fog cloud. It's a little hard to see further, but you can see bits and pieces and debris floating out. And as you're looking, you hear Kothak. He kind of peeks over the top. Yuana, you find anything down there? Well, more very well-dressed corpses, a grand piano, and uh, I'm, general I'm sorry, debris. Did you, say, did you say a grand piano? Yeah, it, you should still be able to see it over there. And I kind of point in the direction where the piano drifted. He looks off and you hear him say from up above, it looks like someone attacked a pleasure boat. It's, uh, it looks like a ballroom crashed into an iceberg. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I'm leaning even harder into this because I realized when I made the tweet and let the internet vote on something, I realized it sounded like we were doing D&D &D <laughs> Titanic. So now I'm just, we're leaning into this. <laughs> and Kothak says, all right, secure the small boats. We're going to go into the fog here. I don't want to take the ship, especially if we can't tell the terrain. We don't know what sunk this thing. You can hear the crew start to move and get themselves prepared. Would any of you like to do anything at this time before we, or say anything or suggest anything? This is your moment. Remember, you're security. So you have been kind of hired. Mm-hmm as another opinion, another thought. So one thing I want to try to avoid with with you know our story here is that I don't want any of you to ever feel like your job is to just follow the captain around and do what he says. You were hired because he thinks you, your thoughts and your opinions are very valuable. I'm going to say before we go there, maybe Holly can see something that we cannot see from here. That is a wonderful idea. Yeah, go ahead. Scout away. We'll get the boats prepared. Fantastic. I, I would prefer to do it while I am not hanging from a rope because <laughs> so I'll either like climb back and sit on the edge of the deck or wait for the boat and sit in the boat because I don't want to find myself blind and suddenly falling into water. But either way, I'm going to send Holly. Holly, I believe, is she was a bat, right? Yeah, Most like a fruit recently. bat. 
I, I don't think I changed her form after we were doing the exploration in the tower. I think that was the last time I changed her form. Mm-hmm. We'll stick with a bat. That's fine. Um, so what, as you're kind of saying this to Gothak, he reaches down his arm to help you up. His hand is kind of out. He's like dangling over the edge to give you a hand up. Sure, with his help, I climb up. Yeah, you clasp hands and he pulls you up over the side of the ship. And you're going to sit down and summon your familiar. How do you summon your familiar? When I'm not like conjuring uh, a new form for Holly, then when I want her, she just kind of climbs out of my pocket, basically. Oh, so like you're maybe summoning her in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like in my pocket or like, you know, in the fold of my shirt or something. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so Holly crawls out as a little fruit bat and is like kind of making little chitters at you. You can take the reins here if you'd like. Sure. So I like extend my hand up with with Holly on sitting on my hand and she flies off and I no longer see or hear what's happening on deck. I see what Holly sees and let's send her into this cold fog and see what she can find. Holly flies off and your eyes immediately flick open into the eyes of this bat. Now, this is a strange sensation for you because bats don't really have great vision, but they can hear extremely well. So as you fly into this cloud of fog, your vision, it feels like you're flying blind, but you can hear everything around. I have 60 feet blind sight as folly, so I... Yeah, that's kind of how like the echolocation is flavored. So you can hear everything and you can hear water sloshing. You can hear the creaking of debris and wood leaning against each other. In the distance, you hear the flapping of wings and a single key on the piano from what is probably a bird landing on it very far away. Roll me a perception check. I'd say because you're in this environment, if you want to have advantage, you can. If not, that's yeah, your problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to. Okay, that is decent. So that's 14. A 14, okay. Yeah. So gliding through this, because you have the intelligence of a person inside the, the um, echolocation form of a bat, you're going to get some information about some more of the items floating in here. You feel the sound of water sloshing and bouncing off of something that, weirdly enough to say, sounds like a bow, a long bow, but way bigger than it should be, probably five and a half feet in size as you're flying through the water. Meta knowledge, it's a great bow that's just kind of floating in the water. Among all of the corpses, you can hear the kind of resonant sounds of other instruments, little drums and things like that as you're flying further and further into this fog cloud. And then your senses land on something odd. Uh-oh. There's something in the water. You don't know what it is. It's probably a few feet across, but as you're approaching it, it's weird because it's suddenly making sound, producing sound. You can hear water. You can hear debris and things pushing against this thing that's kind of fleshy. And then suddenly the sound just vanishes. And then as you get closer, it picks up again and then vanishes and picks up again and then vanishes. And as you approach, you realize that this strange source is coming from a piece of ice in the water. What do you do? It's probably five, 10 feet below you if you've been sticking very close to the water. Okay, do I understand this correctly? There is a block of ice floating in the water and this block of ice makes sounds that sound fleshy. Yeah, and then the sound just goes away and then suddenly started again but as you approach it's silent you're in one of these silent moments okay i would like to send holly closer okay so that she can she can observe what the heck is happening okay so at this point you holly hovers over this piece of ice drifting up and down in the water 
And then you hear a, a crack as something appears on the ice. It's three or four feet across, roughly, about the same size that you heard. Mm-hmm. It looks, hmm, roll me a nature check. Nature, 15. 15. It's it's thick and cylindrical. And you've only ever seen a shape like this one other time. And it was in the description, a sketch of a jellyfish. But when it appears, you hear the fleshy noise again. And as it does, you watch as the ice grows a little bit larger and the air gets a little bit colder. And then it vanishes again. And when it reappears, the same thing happens. You feel a chill. You watch the ice expand. And then it vanishes again. What do you do? So so just to understand, it, it's kind of like inside this block of ice, there, there's something that looks like a jellyfish and it's like pulsating with ice and with cold. Imagine, imagine one of the, like a very thick tendril of a del- jellyfish. It's translucent, but it's not in the ice. It's appearing on top of it. And every time it appears, the air gets colder and the ice gets larger. And then when it vanishes and reappears, same thing, the air gets colder. But does it does it appear does it appear and vanish because it's slipping in and out of the water or does it appear and vanish like a like a face spider just in oh yeah that's actually roll me an arcana check that would be a really great pull here actually you know what? I'm not even gonna make you roll for that because that's a fairly common magical creature that seems like it's exactly what this thing is doing that's like, a very good just... thing because I rolled a natural one on that arcana check so that's a six <laughs> yeah so... if this is common knowledge then six is probably enough. <laughs> I would say a phase phase spider is common knowledge, especially if you're a student. If you were like a regular person, you know, maybe a farmer or something like that, you wouldn't know this information. But they use those creatures as reagents for spells. So it's definitely something you've at least read about. But that's the first thought that comes to mind. Okay, so I'm going to uh, kind of open my eyes, like send Holly a little bit further up so that she is not directly above this creature. And I'm going to tell Kothak that there is apparently an ice jellyfish that behaves like a face spider and phases in and out of existence. So Ioana says this, was there anything Riley or Zira you would like to do at this moment? You can just take the reins on the scene here. I would go check it out. Telescope again and just see what it's, she's talking it's about. Too, it's too foggy, I'm oh, going to say. too foggy? Okay. Yeah. So the, the bat. Holly. Holly. She flew into the fog. Yes. Okay. I don't exactly know what phase spider is, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so a phase spider is a spider. There's a thing in kind of the D&D canon called the ethereal plane. Now, in Asperon, that has a handful of different names. Some people call it the plane of dream. Some people call it the, you know, the realm of spirits where you go when you die. But the kind of common knowledge is that there are some creatures that can step in and out of that place at will. A phase spider is one of them. So imagine a spider the size of a horse, maybe, that could just vanish into a world that looks and feels like your own and then reappear right next to you. Whoa, you said phase spider. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait, wait did you think I said that. face spider? Yes. So I Google <sighs> it. It's a face hugger. Is it huge? Is it something I don't know about? Let's not think about spiders the size of a fucking horse teleporting in and out of existence. With human faces. With human faces. Because that's a thing now. Thank you. Debs. What? <laughs> no, no. Guys, I googled. I googled face spider, and I didn't regret it. Let me share you something with you. No, 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 no. You're gonna be. You're gonna be very happy no. to see it. You really will. I don't want to see there you it. go. Is it cute? Like the other thing was. No. It is. It is you extremely said that to cute. Me, but oh yeah, it is. It's got a little happy face on its back, on its butt. It's a spider. <laughs> 
It's a face spider. <laughs> okay, yeah, but aside from that, Zira, Riley, we'll, we'll just say Riley is sprinting to the edge of the ship and starting to climb down to get to the boat already. Zero, how do you respond to this? I follow immediately. <laughs> He's not okay. going to leave me. <laughs> so both of you follow and Kothak goes, all right, um, Papa, uh, keep an eye on the ship. I'm going to go with them. And he climbs over the edge behind the two of you and you make your way down to this little boat. Now there are two little oars. If you would like, who would like to do the rowing. Kothak sits down and grabs onto one. I'll be on the other side. Okay. So both both you and Kothak work together to row the boat out. He's very, very, very practiced at this. Some people might expect for a captain with only one arm to not be able to row well, but he is very good at it. And you're actually catching yourself to have to row harder to keep up with him as you're rowing into the fog. But he can't tell that. Question. <laughs> yeah? Is he just using his one arm or does he have his no, um cool no he's using his one arm oh okay yeah his kind of ghostly spiritual arm is only for very particular things gotcha I was, if yeah if he had it out since raleigh's not doing anything he would have been just like studying it mm -hmm. okay so with this i think we'll fast forward a tiny bit it takes 10 minutes or so for you all to row this boat closer and closer and as you do you notice the ice chunks are more and more present would anyone like to roll a perception check i'm gonna say not zero just because you're helping with the rowing i will i'm actually assuming that i'm helping with the rowing as well oh oh there's only two oars so oh okay so i'm not helping with the rowing so i'm taking a look <laughs> around in this case same okay. here let's go natural metal guy so I as you approach with a natural two. 20 riley what'd you get Perception, it's not as yes. good, that's for sure. Uh, three. Three, okay, Riley, you're just kind of enamored <laughs> by- Not you're as like, good. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, um, maybe you're nervous and it's hard to see so far. Yeah, that's perfect. So you take off your glasses and start to clean away the smudges. And Yuana, as, as this boat approaches closer and closer to where you kind of know where Holly is, the ice is getting more and more present and you can see little faint shimmers of light coming off of the water below you and a quick peek over the edge, you can see gold coins just floating in the water. And with that crazy high roll, you notice a ruby just floating, frozen to a hunk of ice. Can that I That comes like right it? in contact with your boat. Yeah, you can. You reach down and pick it up. The ice is cold in your hands. I'm Very just gonna cold. drop it Drop it on the bottom of the boat and say, there is something nice stuck in it. Um, it clunks down onto the boat and the ice kind of uh, the ice cracks in half, and you can see that in the middle there's a ruby. Yeah. You don't know how expensive it is, but as you approach, you can hear the sound of metal coins tinging onto the side of the boat. And you approach this iceberg, maybe 10 feet across now. It's silent. And then you hear the sound of something fleshy, like being dropped. And you watch this tentacle just appear in the air and clomp down on this iceberg, and it gets a little bit bigger. Kothak goes, Well, that is, uh, that's something, isn't it? Can we go back? Can we figure out what it is? I'm going to give you guys a choice here. You can roll a Arcana history check or a nature check. I already rolled to like try and identify it. So I don't think I'm going to do that. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to kind of like send Holly fluttering in and out closer and further away from this thing to see if it reacts in any way to anything being around it because it didn't react first when Holly was there looking at it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to see if this is a creature that cares about us at all in any way, shape or form. I can do the Arcana check. 
Or investigation. Okay, so you roll an Arcana check. You bring Holly closer. Um, I need some specifics here. Oh, yes! I kind of want to roll an annoyance check. I want to kind of make Holly annoy this thing. I'm poking okay. it with a stick. Okay, so next, so you're going to, like, poke at it and try and touch it and yeah. prod, right? Yep. I'm not even going to ask about AC because it's a fruit bat. Twelve. Wow, that's actually decent for a fruit bat. Because it's 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 fast. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Or three. It's not just mine. Did you just kill my bat? I just want to let you guys know, natural 20 on that Arcana check. Yeah, we're going to find out what killed my bat in a second. Plus four. So Your 24. bat takes 19 damage. Well, it had four hit points, so it is extremely dead. But right as you touch it, this thing writhes and flails and just crushes Holly the bat against the iceberg. And it's oh, like no. flailing around now really hard. Whatever this thing is, and you can tell it's been clearly severed from something. It's still alive. And Riley, you rolled an Arcana check, right? 24, natural 20. Okay, this is going to help you in the long run, I think. I'm terrified. Tell me, I want you to paint this picture for me, not the other way around. Where has Riley read about the Abyss Mall? Probably when he was going to school. And then some of the other students were just gawking at um, a book, probably, about like creatures and i just happened to get a little glance and that was it and it was looking ugly and i'm a little bit terrified maybe a little bit pee comes out of me just now okay i, I want to add on to this a little bit in your memory of this moment you remember them in particular humming a tune a shanty and they were doing it because it was making another student really nervous and he goes stop come on guys stop the, the word they have power stop and they're just kind of humming it along like it's nothing. And you're left with that memory. Now tell me something that Riley learned about the Abyss Mall that was terrifying. Um, oh man, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared. What you remember from the tale is, if it is real, it's a creature that can swallow ships and step from plane to plane as easily as a creature breathes. I mean, that's scary in itself, but... You want to put some icing on this this really scary cake? No, no, I don't. <laughs> you have to. Okay, so what do I know about it? You know that the books written about it are not like research. They were like oral accounts, folklore, about a creature called the Abyss Mall. It's Titanic. They say that it... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they say they say the abyss mall is large enough to swallow a ship whole and it can step from plane to plane as easily as you and i would breathe tell me something scary about it oh man um that i feel like if it's so big if it opens its mouth it just kind of creates like a whirlpool Ooh. sucking things in and that's why well. it's even more terrifying because it can suck in things and we're in a tiny fucking rowboat! This realization comes over you immediately, and you can see the tentacle still responding. And Kothak is like, that is... I mean, I've read about, you know, like you cut off a limb of an animal, and so like a reptile or something, and it still keeps going. But that is... that's freaky. And as he says it, the tentacle vanishes again, and it's silent again. Riley, what do you do? We should go back right now. Um... Especially because it, it vanished. I, we don't know where it's going to be. And let's just say if it opens up its mouth to go nom nom, 
We might not be able to pull out. Pull a game weak. What mouth? It's a tentacle oh, that looks severed. Yeah. It's, it's huge. You don't. That's only literally the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> we should turn around right now. Just. Does this oh. tentacle look like the tentacles from my vision of something that was murdering our ship? No, not at all. Not a, oh, okay, good. Not good. There is more than one thing like this, apparently. Yeah. That's worse. I just realized it's worse, not better. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, we'd have a chance on the sh to, if we had to fight it, which I don't think we should. Um, we'll have a better chance on a bigger boat. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Um, but it has a tendency to essentially create large a large whirlpool when it opens its mouth and you it's huge you don't see its mouth but it's there and if it reappears what are you you're, you're spiraling riley what are you talking about it's, oh, it's just we're a not, tentacle we're not spiraling yet we will it's called an abyss mall and like <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> are just, you kidding me that's not real there's no that is not real <laughs> We, you just saw its tentacle. And as you say that, it like plops back on the iceberg and the ice expands a little bit and you feel it bump the side of your boat. Correction. See, see the tentacle. And like I said, that's only a little part of them. They're da it's down below and we're on a small rowboat, man. Zero, what are you doing while Riley is panic spiraling? I feel like I'm used <laughs> to the panic part um but i'm like I, i'm probably just trying to tell kothak that he probably knows what he's talking about in this instance let's play um, it out um go ahead uh, uh kothak um you say it's not real but that that that's genuine fear that's not his normal like uh this might happen this is uh i read this in the book so we should probably just maybe back up away from it how far is the ship from us right now? A couple hundred feet. I actually start rowing the opposite direction that we were going to. <laughs> like, I'm going back. Kothik hasn't started rowing yet, so the boat starts to spin. And he goes, look, there might be something valuable here. We still don't know if there are survivors. But, like, we're going to have to be... We're going to be future people being checked if we're going to be sitting here. Good point. Good point. Okay, roll me a persuasion check, I think. Me? Yeah. Um, oh boy. Wow, okay. You just hit my DC. Kothak is... You haven't... None of you have seen any um, any survivors, right? It's just Imporo. Yuana, do you trust your um, bat to be able to fly? Well, it, cr it squished your bat. I need to recast the spell, and that takes a while. This thing crushed... Holy Let's get away from that, and we'll go back to the ship let you cast the spell again, and we can do one last recon before we leave. As all that was happening, Riley had in his hand, he was kind of fiddling and getting ready to do something. And in his hand, if anybody would like to see, if anyone was like paying attention, he has a small petrified eye of Newt that he's like rolling around in his hand. What does he use it for? He uses that for Hex. Oh, okay, okay. And he was getting ready to do something. That's how nervous he was. Ooh, wait. Okay, so hold on. I want to play this out because you just introduced something that I think might be helpful to all of you. Is Riley going to act on it with that tentacle still writhing and flopping around? Well, with 
Kothak saying that we're going to go back? No, not anymore. Oh, okay. In that case, <laughs> Kothak, along with you, Zira, you both start to row the boat back. And as you're going back, Kothak's going, abysmal. It's just better to be safe than sorry, Mr. Kothak. You are right. Um, I personally believe that is a children's fairy tale. But something was here. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it's still here. So going back is probably the smart decision. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Um, and all of you kind of row back, climb up on the ship. So, Yuana, how are you casting the spell? Well, first of all, I need to get incense and herbs that uh, can be used as ingredients because I had for one casting and I used it. I need to get it from Vapa probably, or the Quartermaster, if this is something that the ship has available. I think you could, you, you've developed a bit of a kinship with Vapa. I think you can get it from her with no problem. I mean, it's 10, 10 gold pieces worth of ingredients. So yeah, and it takes, unfortunately, an hour and 10 minutes to cast it. Okay, so what does it look like as you cast? I, it also occurred to me, by the way, you can probably summon your familiar as a fish if you wanted to. I can make Holly an octopus, and that's what I'm going to do. Ah, okay, cool. Because octopus is able to uh, kind of navigate on land as well, if necessary, and can squeeze into very tight, small spaces. So I think it's, uh, it's a better form for Holly. I'm just checking if I do have actually... Okay, so this will be a new form for her. Mm -hmm. So she has never been an octopus yet. It basically is the same uh, similar process to when I was changing Holly from a lizard to a bat. I have to light the incense and the herbs in like a little brazier. And as it, as it burns and the smoke rises, the smoke slowly begins to create the form of this creature. And I'm kind Ooh. of shaping the smoke, shaky, shaping the smoke into the, into the octopus. And it kind of looks similar in coloration to the tentacle that we saw. So it's like, you said that it was like pale and translucent, right? Mm -hmm. But it has like those green and red flecks on it because it's still Holly. So it has to have green oh, and red flecks. It. That is so cool. Okay, yeah. So Holly appears in front of you and just kind of looking up with you with those big kind of goofy octopus eyes. Now, I want to ask while this is happening, the rest of the crew is kind of idle. The air around them feels kind of tense, like up around the ship feels tense and like you can cut it with a knife. And right before Joanna starts to cast this spell, she sits down and starts to prepare herself. And as you step forward, Riley, Kothak just gently puts his hand on your shoulder. And he says, try and, um, try and keep the abysmal discussion to a minimum. Tales like that tend to scare people out on the sea, and I don't want to create panic. Oh, okay. I'm panicking enough for the whole crew, okay? Exactly. We don't need more. So your discretion would be wonderful. Aye, aye, Captain. All right. Um, he kind of motions to the crew. We don't know what is out there that caused this. We do know that there are goods still floating in the water. We may be able to salvage something, but we're going to do a quick sweep first to make sure the area is safe before we go further in. The fog makes it a little hard to navigate in our dinghies. Everyone back to your tasks. If you have any chores, keep up on it. We'll be leaving to scout and salvage within the hour. And then we cut to Ioana with Holly on the wood in front of you. What would you like to do? I am going to apologize to her for getting her eaten by a tentacle. Holly blinks at you slowly. Uh, 
and then I am going to gently lower her into the water. And I'm going to send her to carefully and stealthily approach the wreckage and kind of investigate, inspect to see if there is anything that we can salvage or anything that can give us more information about what happened here. Like maybe she can see at least like what the name of the ship was. That would be valuable information too. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. You'll drop her down into the water and she plops Uh in and you kind of sit down and focus in on her senses. Can you roll me? I don't think survival because you don't really need to figure out how to navigate back, especially under the water. Let's just roll with this. You take Holly and Holly swims through the water. How deep do you go? Uh, How deep do I see like floating debris and ice? Is it just sitting on the surface or are there things deeper in the water? Um, so as you plunge into the water, you can see there's a lot of stuff on the surface. And because your senses are more adapted to this environment, you can see a little further than you might expect. Among the water, you can see there are bits of things that have they're just kind of floating, not on the surface, but beneath it. It's again, still a lot of these kind of shattered goods. You pass by pieces of wet, soggy food, like fresh fruit, which fresh fruit at sea, like things like apples and pineapple, they would you don't know how long they would last, so it's a little odd. You pass by other corpses that are kind of sinking down. Again, in informal wear. They're either in very fine clothes, they're non non emporo, or they're emporo dressed to the nines in their regalia. You pass by a loot that has been broken in half and it's just kind of drifting past you. And occasional gold and silver and maybe even a platinum coin passes your eyes as you approach where you remember this big hunk of ice being. And as you get closer and closer, you see this big form, like a, it almost looks like a mountain to your senses, looming in the distance, a shadow. One thing, because Holly has the ability to kind of camouflage herself to be almost invisible underwater. Ooh. She has the underwater camouflage ability, which gives her advantage on stealth check when she is underwater. That's why I went for, for octopus and not the fish. Okay, can you roll me a stealth check then? If you're yes, trying to be sneaky. absolutely. I want to approach as carefully. I d- don't want to get her killed twice in one day. That's insulting. <laughs> okay, that is not bad. 17. Okay, 17, that's just fine. So as you're skating through the water, you slowly approach this big kind of looming shadow, which you soon realize is a coral reef. Now, As you approach closer and closer, you can see that a lot of pieces of it have been kind of broken off and are floating around. Um, But when you get about 100 feet out, roughly, something immediately catches your attention as off. You see that beneath the surface where your eyes above the water could not see, there is a huge chunk of ice attached to this coral reef and broken in two pieces is a three-tiered ship if it were to go depth-wise to the, to the lily, it would go down below the water twice as much. This was a very large vessel, and it's broken in half, but it's also frozen into two big chunks of ice that have kind of affixed themselves to the coral reef here. Would you like to approach closer? Yes, and I kind of want to understand if... I don't understand, like, where is the ice coming from? Are there more, like, pieces of the tentacle somewhere there that are stuck to the ship and are generating this ice? Where did it come from? I kind of want to understand that. As you approach, roll me a investigation check, I think. Okay, 18. 
So as you approach and get a little bit closer, you kind of start to investigate the ice. Now, as you approach, the water around it is very cold because, you know, there's ice in it. But mm -hmm. as you're kind of crawling around and swimming through the water, you watch these pieces of ice crack and break off and start to float to the surface. It seems that whatever made this ice is not currently making it because it's slowly melting into the water. And as you get closer, more and more pieces, little bits, maybe the size of holly, crack off and float to the surface. You don't okay. see any signs of tentacles. And what you do see is this ship cut down the middle and facing you on one side is kind of the exposed decks of the ship. And you can tell that the ship itself isn't frozen in the ice. The ice is frozen around it. Okay, so the interior of the ship is water, very cold water, but it's not solid block of ice inside the ship. Yes, yes. Okay, do I see the name of the ship anywhere on the hull? I'm gonna say, you know what? Yeah, let's give you this. At your angle, as you approach a little bit closer, you kind of get up close to the ship because underwater, a little hard to read, but you get close and you find a plaque that is kind of made in this swirling gold filigree and the ship is called the Valiant. Do I know this name? Roll me a history check. Ooh, 26. Maybe this is because Zero was literally just telling you all about this about Caldera and the general that was pulled up there being the hero of Caldera. You recognize the name of the Valiant because you've read about that incident and Zira helped jog your memory. This was okay. the last ship to leave. It's a very old ship. It's been around for a long time, probably retired by now. It's not an actual functioning vessel. But as you get closer, you kind of do also realize that this is the ship that you guys passed on your way towards Strider's Landing. Ooh. So this had to happen very, very recently. Can you roll me a perception check? How yes, long I can. Mm, couple days. 13. 13, okay. Let's let Zero or Riley determine this for me. Can one of you roll me a d20? Two. I'm, by the way, narrating what I'm seeing. So Holly, I'm okay. seeing what Holly is seeing and I'm sitting on the deck. I can't hear anybody. I can't see anybody, but I can talk and I'm talking like narrating what Holly is seeing. Uh, two. Okay. While you are on the, the side of the ship, reading the name of it, the Valiant, you hear a rhythmic tapping. But it's the same exact pattern repeated over and over again. Do you repeat the pattern? What do you do? But is it like in the water? Mm -hmm. You can feel it through the ship because you're touching it with your tentacles through Holly. I am going to like tap the same rhythm on the deck of the ship where I'm sitting to tell everybody what it is that I'm hearing. Ioana, you don't hear this because you're in Holly, but Riley and Zira, Kothak, his back straightens up and stiffens and he just goes, oh fuck, that's an SOS. Thanks for sticking around. 
We've got some exciting things going on behind the scenes. Mike has started working with Aaron Katano Saez to world build the Bastion of the First, a bewitched castle in the depths of the jungles of the Dragma Coast. Uh, you can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Katano Saez, on Skyjack's Courier's Call, a CC, or his show, All My Fantasy Children. Our theme song, titled A New Hero in Town, was created by Kevin MacLeod. We use his work a lot throughout our production, so check out Incompetech Music for more. Our ambient tracks for this episode were created by Sword Coast Soundscapes, which you'll find linked in our episode description. In addition, we have also begun working with tracks from Dark Fantasy Studio. Stay safe, and see you soon. What was that? Hold on. Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> What happened? Seeming, oh. seeming, 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 not seeming. seeming. That's what I heard, and I was I mean, telling you, I was holding it in so hard. Technically, <laughs> technically, we are semen. That's why. That's why. And women. Yeah. See, I said that. But she said seeming. <laughs>